0: I'm Jordan Trofe, and I ran three marathons in three days at a 230-30 pace.
1: Hey this it's Thomas with Believe in the Run.
2: And this is Megan with Believe in the Run.
1: And this week's a special week because we just finished up the hold fast with Jordan Trofe.
2: Yeah, it was a wild, wild weekend.
1: If you haven't been following along, Jordan did three marathons in three days. The Baltimore Marathon, the Chicago Marathon, and the Boston Marathon. All with an average pace of two hours, 30 minutes, and 30 seconds.
2: I mean, it's kind of insane.
1: It is. It hasn't been verified by Guinness, but it's on its way to be verified by Guinness to make it a world record.
2: Yeah, and it's not just a world record. It's a world record by like 40 minutes. So the last attempt was the guy averaged a 243. So, I mean, he knocked it out of the park.
1: Out of the park. And it was just an amazing trip to be a part of. We had so much fun. Like, I can't wait till we get the video together and get to share you, share with you some of the highlights. I don't know, Meg. we've done a lot of stuff in running i've been all over the place we've seen professional athletes we've interviewed Ilya kipchoge but so far this is probably one of my favorite things that we've done is following jordan around and and running from city to city and capturing images and video what about you
2: yeah i mean it was it was so much fun and i having jordan as our you know context and the centerpiece of this whole thing he's just such a humble nice friendly dude and it's i think it's probably what made the project so much fun
1: yeah the whole team was great we worked with some of the people uh from under armor because they were interested in testing out a new shoe with jordan um he's not sponsored but they provided the footwear for him to test as they're getting a new prototype for a super shoe out which did amazingly well and uh we also had um just a great time with everybody involved everybody was so chill it was such a good crowd
2: yeah, and we'll go into all the details with Jordan in this week's episode. So you'll hear more about that, but it wasn't all, you know, smooth sailing. There was some some bumps yeah, there in the road. Definitely
1: bumps in the road, but they made the adventure more exciting for sure. Yeah. All right, so listen up. We'll just jump right in because this one's going to be a long podcast, I think.
2: Yeah, we had a a long discussion with Jordan, went into all the details of each race and the transition between what he does nutritionally and how he recovered so quickly.
1: And if you haven't listened to our first interview, where we talked about the challenge before he ran it. You may want to check that one out first. Listen to that with Jordan and hear about the challenge before he actually knew that he was going to complete it.
2: One thing I do think we need to talk about this week real quick, because it's kind of relevant and related to Jordan's three, three back-to-back marathons is Shalane Flanagan. So she is doing the six world majors, uh, in six weeks and she just completed the fourth.
1: I know she ran Berlin. She ran London. She just did Chicago and Boston. So I think that is the four.
2: Yeah, so she has two more to go. Tokyo and,
1: and New York, right?
2: They've all been, yeah, well under the three-hour mark that she was going for. Yeah,
1: and it was kind of cool because what we were doing, we got to see a lot of pros out there, and seeing Shalane running out there was, I mean, it's just amazing. I mean,
2: it was interesting to see her in the mass field with everyone else versus the elite field. Front, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, and running, I guess, running a two forty, it kind of puts you towards the back of the fast people yeah um you know but she uh, not saying i mean that sounds insane because yeah. literally like look, i'm running in the 320s and and i consider myself uh you know fast enough <laughs> but she's she's actually well, so what's it.
2: what's super impressive too is if you just look at her time so um berlin was a 238 london was a 235 Then she did Chicago conservatively, which she intended to do. Yeah, I mean, you
1: got to do it. It was a warm day. Plus, she knew that she was running Boston the next day. We got to see a a past drop guest, Pacer, in Chicago.
2: Yes, we did. And, yeah, she ran a Tim Rossi from the Lost Boys. And... They ran together. I think he ran, we saw them at 18 and I assume he stayed with her the whole time. They yeah, came in guess around he, he ran with her. 246 and then she turned it around. Somehow she beat us to Boston. I don't know.
1: Private jet. <laughs> I'm guessing.
2: Yeah. We had a little trouble getting there, but Shalane seemed to be fine.
1: You'll hear about that.
2: Um, and then, yeah, so she turned it around and ran Boston in a 240, which yeah. on that course is crazy after running a in marathon. Heat, yeah. So
1: it was fantastic, and we love seeing all the athletes out there. We got to see Sarah Hall, Emma. We saw Clayton Young. We saw, I mean, just I can't go through everybody's names of all the people we saw. And we saw friends Kafuzi. Uh, well, we didn't get to see him, but he took some video of Jordan that was nice and forwarded it to us. Uh, we had friends we saw Fast- Ben
2: Johnson out there, yeah. in Boston,
1: and we saw uh, John. Oh, well, we didn't get to see John over, but we had friends Faster Bastards out there, Lizzie and John Over out there. Um, and just, I, I can't even tell you how many people we saw, uh, CJ. Those
2: tracking apps that Chicago and Boston have are so superior yeah. to the tracking that any other marathon does. Yeah.
1: Parker Stinson we saw out there. Uh, it, I mean, there were so many people, I can't name all the people. Desi, we saw Des Linden, uh, just, uh, Kira Demato.
2: Yeah, Kira was out there. Kira to... is going to be on the podcast.
1: Yeah. So check that out. But yeah, it was such a great experience. I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as we enjoyed sitting down with Jordan and recapping because it was, we're still in a, a high from it.
2: Yeah. So this week it's short and sweet. Enjoy the conversation with Jordan.
1: All right, so we've got Jordan Trofe back in the studio here to recap this amazing hold fast challenge that he just did. Three marathons, three days. We started off in Baltimore. We went to Chicago. We did a little drive to Detroit. And then we arrived in Boston where he ran his final of the three marathons. All averaging, what was it,
2: 230? 230-30, right? It's
0: yeah. a nice
1: round number. Yeah. yeah. For, for three marathons. Exhausting for mere mortals, but, you know, he's practically... I don't know, would it be blasphemous to say he's a god? He's orthopedic surgeon, so he's got your life in his hands. <laughs>
0: so. It was a weekend. How fun was that? I,
2: it was super fun. Kind of, it's yeah, it, it's kind
1: retrospectively of
0: retrospectively amazing.
1: <laughs> it's almost depressing that it's over. Like uh, We posted a meme of uh, sad uh, Pablo Escobar because <laughs> um, we were like, wait, we don't have to go to a start line this morning. I
0: had morning. to show you that. That was so funny.
1: <laughs> Okay, so first of
2: all, how do you feel right now? How is your body?
1: So we are
0: post-race day two
2: Uh
0: I feel amazing. Stop post-op day. One was a little rough Um, It was upsetting. There wasn't another race on Tuesday, right? Yeah, but it was a good Kind of day off
2: Did you take the day off? I did indeed. Did you take today off too?
0: I'm still kicking around doing like a little run (laughs) But I don't know. I I really kind of want everything to settle down and just take inventory of the damage, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's all in the quads. My calves are fine. My hips are fine. Feet are a little beat up, too, just from the the pounding. But it's really just quad problems right now. So I'm I'm debating just doing like a little flush out or just not. We'll
2: see. Yeah.
1: I mean everybody's quads hurt after a marathon i think you know if that's the one thing if you run successfully your quads hurt like it's amazing that your calves and
2: plus you did baltimore which is a very hilly course and boston which i had forgotten how hilly that course was until we were out there biking it and i was like goodness
0: boston is hilly but you know what i appreciate even more this time is the downhills i had no idea how much that course was downhill yeah it was Amazing butt quiet really?
1: I always yeah. felt like we were riding the bike uphill. <laughs> like, I was like, this is horrible. I feel bad for this guy. <laughs> the back
0: half's all uphill. Yeah. But, uh.
1: So, yeah. are you doing anything, like, nutrition-wise to recover?
0: So, priority with that was just eat. Like, rebuild. Just with uh, tearing the body down the way we did, it was just straight calories that we needed. So, I've been kind of just indiscriminate with what I've been eating. We found an amazing burger place in Boston, and that was kind of the first like real food after having to be on marathon eating schedule for the entire weekend. But the last two days, it's just been calories.
1: You have any beers or anything?
0: (laughs) I had like one and I was having trouble with it. I was was like, this doesn't this doesn't feel good right now. But uh, that beer is an important recovery tool.
2: Um, okay, so let's go back to the beginning in Baltimore. Did you get Olive Garden every night before, or you didn't before Baltimore? Not
0: before Baltimore. We went to a nice place in Little Italy.
2: Okay. All oh, right, yeah. so you still carb-loaded up the night carb before. Carb-loaded up
0: the night before, spent that in Baltimore, which is nice, and then just rolled out their race day uh, for the for the start.
2: And you went out pretty hot in Baltimore. Um, there was one only one guy in front of you for the whole race where you – trying to catch him or were you trying to conserve a little bit for the next two days
0: so baltimore went out fast uh jeremy was the guy who won that race i watched his post-race like news interview. he's he's a good dude Uh, i got kind of some insight into his strategy though of just kind of going out hard uh and going for the, the win which that was a perfectly executed race plan especially with me being second Because I was not about to bite on that seventy-one. He He just flew.
1: I think he was uh, not thrilled with his splits on the second (laughs) half.
0: It's uh, that course will punish you uh, for any indiscretion during that first half. But he went out seventy-one. I no way was going to bite on that, especially with what else was coming for the weekend. But I wanted to kind of keep it. I mean do a respectable half just so i could just hit good splits essentially so he went out fast i was about a minute or two behind him and uh we just kind of stayed on pace for the rest of the day
2: so you held pretty even splits in baltimore
0: i think so i rolled through at like 73 and then i think it's 74 i guess yeah if that math's right yeah
1: and we're coming through um this year baltimore didn't have the crowds that it has had sometimes in the past how much did that play into your mental like as you're running through baltimore the crowd
0: support i realized after compared to the majors where just every mile was just people screaming the energy was unreal at the majors this year i think everybody had a bunch of pent-up energy that they're just trying to get out with racing being back it was unreal with that said baltimore not being a major uh, without that fanfare and hype kind of surrounding it, the thousands and thousands of people surrounding it. It had some quiet areas. It's, it's not like a game changer, but the the crowd support out there definitely makes running easier. But where it hits you at Baltimore is the Inner Harbor that most of the first half was really nice. There are a lot of people out there. What, what also Baltimore didn't have this year was the relay. And usually the relay... Exchange Use stations. Yeah. yeah, have a whole bunch of people and they're at really not awesome spots on the course, like about like 6, 12, yep. 18. Yeah,
1: like normally you'd be running through uh, Clifton Park.
0: That's exactly where they are and that's where we needed it. And assistance. you do yeah. need them because you're coming.
1: <laughs> like I yeah. saw that when we were, I was riding my bike up there to meet you. When you get up to Clifton Park and there's not it's quiet. A, a few it's hundred quiet. people because they cheer for you as you come up that hill, especially if you're in the front lead. Mm-hmm. You've got everybody because nobody's exchanged um You know for like maybe two three people have left from the relay so you get a huge crowd right there it's a naturally built-in crowd that wasn't there this year
0: yeah and that's right where right after you've just been punished by those hills (laughs) so that little pick-me-up right at that clifton park handoff's a good spot that this year was kind of very quiet
2: so is that where you i mean you have to hurt a little bit in any marathon is that essentially where that started
0: for me in Baltimore, really the priority was keeping it together, really not, really finding that sweet spot where I was running hard, doing a good effort, but really not destroying the rest of the weekend. So that really was the hardest part for me. I really kind of started to drag a little bit on those hills. I was out in like second place land where Jeremy was way up there, like probably a minute ahead. I could kind of like barely see him. And then I was in second place land with nobody around me. Yeah. So it was an interesting spot to be. It was just like running on my own in the road (laughs) without a water stop. Like a training (laughs) (laughs) run. Yeah. So that was definitely the most interesting part. And then once I got to mile 20, Lake Montebello, that's when I saw Thomas on the bike who was getting some footage and brought me back to life. It was the most amazing thing. It was like an oasis in the desert.
1: And I didn't know, like, I didn't know your style and we haven't spent that much time together. So uh, when I, when you got there, I was like, should I be talking to him or should I just be quiet? I I chose the quiet to not err on the, on the wrong side, pretty much. Um, Was that the right choice for me to make?
0: Yeah, it was well handled. We, uh, I appreciated the like pain cave alone, alone time, but at the same time, we were right there and we had some fun up there too yeah
2: yeah was it just nice to have someone you knew exactly. even though he wasn't running with you or anything just out there exactly
0: i
1: yeah. mean i was kind of running on the bike if, <laughs> if, if it was like having a party to, to get some miles in it
0: was like i just spent 10 miles by myself um on the course and then uh yeah having Thomas just come by it was amazing
2: so how often are you checking your watch and, and seeing if you're on pace is that mostly by feel or are you looking down
0: so, never. I really don't pace these things okay, at all because I usually don't even set a watch, but this time I did just because I didn't want to get too far out from my goal time, especially with not knowing how I was going to feel. Right. Uh, but usually there's clocks at pretty regular intervals, which I'm able to like look at at like, usually like the 10, 15, 20, 30K. At Boston, I actually started counting Ks, which I've never done before <laughs> just because it That's made it seem like I was accomplishing something. But... For Baltimore, there are no clocks, no water stops, no checkpoints. Like, you hardly knew where the miles were. So I was checking down just sporadically just to make sure I was staying honest and not completely falling off because I think I could have, like, really sped up, really slowed down, never known.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So at what point did you know you were definitely under the 230 mark and you were going to finish?
0: After I hit the first half, I was kind of pumped. 'Cause I was like, all right, like seventy-two, that gives me a little bit of cushion if I get into big trouble out there. But in Baltimore I never really hit a point where I felt like I was in trouble. Okay. Uh, which I was thrilled about.
1: I have a question for you. Coming back from running and I don't know how many races you've done since since COVID came back, but like the woodlands was our first one back in March. Mm-hmm. And, mm. you know, we we come out of the chute and I just look and I'm not as fast as you, so there's people in front of me. So I'm seeing the bobbing heads. In front of me i look to my side there's people i look behind me and i was like oh my god we're back yeah so coming back into these races what does it mean and did you feel that weirdness of hey i'm around a large group of people and doing something that i love
0: yes and that's why i race in general i love being a part of the race experience honestly and with the two-year break my first race back was pike's peak Okay, and it was not like a, it wasn't a big one. And there's just a couple thousand people in that, and it's unique in that you run up a mountain and you run down a mountain. But that was the first one back, and you get to the start line, you look around, people are ready to go. There's music, there's crowd, that energy, it's, it's just infectious, and that's what I love about racing. That's what gets me out to these races, and that's why I do so many of them, just because being part of that is what's really special. So, I completely agree. We're it's
1: back. like a rock concert that you get to participate that you
0: participate in exactly and then the ironman this year was like largely normal it was yeah it was amazing so we are um but at the same time i think all the races i was never at a race where it's just like you know like this is irresponsible and then i mean you watch the football games on the weekend (laughs) (laughs) so i think everything's kind of going at a good speed i think people it gives you the option like if you're not comfortable being around like a whole bunch of people like don't come out like yeah but if if you are if you've been vaccinated like whatever and if you've had it and you want to get out there and race it's here we're back and it's going so just having the opportunity is amazing
2: so you cross the finish line to 27
0: mm-hmm.
2: and how are you feeling at this point are you immediately thinking i gotta do this again tomorrow
0: no uh at the finish line i was happy to be at the finish line i was thrilled with the time and i was thrilled with how i felt um i that was at the forefront of my mind like don't do anything stupid that's really gonna compromise the rest of this this weekend so i think i accomplished that task it was interesting because i was in like second place land and i know i knew that the leader loved to go out fast and i knew it was gonna reel it back a little bit so the decision for me that second half of the race was like do i want to make a little bit of a move, maybe try, to, if he does really fall off, have a little bit of a race here, or just not. So ultimately what I decided was just not be super aggressive, but put in a hard effort such that if things did kind of settle down or things got closer, it, it I would be in a good position uh, if that happened. So I was happy with that because we were able to just have a good kind of solid finish, staying on pace, being consistent, not picking it up a little bit, but not completely destroying myself. And then came into the finish, uh, feeling feeling fine. And then the Baltimore finish line, as we talked about, it's amazing. You're at the Inner Harbor, there's people everywhere. Uh, it's, the half is kind of like going on around there too. So it's it, it's just an awesome feel. And it's that feel like like at the start line, you're at the finish line of the marathon, that's what's really special.
1: Yeah.
2: So what was the immediate recovery situation? Were you like getting an ice bath or what did you do?
0: So we did. We attempted an ice bath. <laughs> we got a, a garbage can and some ice and I didn't fit. <laughs>
1: I'm too fat. Off, <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: too fat. So I got like up to my, I don't know, mid thighs into this ice bath mm-hmm. and I couldn't tolerate it either. I was like, I don't, I've never been so soft before. Like I just couldn't stand in that cold water. It was really cold in my defense. It was was ice. More ice than water in there.
2: It was also a cold day. Like it was like overcast and a little rainy. And I mean, on the bike, I was cold.
0: Yeah. I was in like pain in that ice bath. Uh, So I got out. And we just kind of bailed on that one. But the big thing were calories, nutrition. Because I knew that my body was going to go into recovery mode. And what it needed was calories. So we had... Some chocolate milk, and then uh, some like electrolyte, some other like recovery stuff to put back what we what we lost. I like you said, it was kind of cool, so I wasn't like sweating buckets or really worried about dehydration or anything like that. But just pounded water because that too. I didn't want. Uh, I was particularly worried about like when you run this distance, your muscles start leaking all these proteins, and they can lead to problems with your kidneys. And if your muscles get really damaged, you can get into like a rhabdo, which can be a kind of very dangerous medical condition, let alone bad for recovery and bad for running the next day. So hydration was probably my biggest concern and I just crushed water. We probably drank five, six bottles of water after that that marathon, just to make sure that we were staying hydrated and everything was staying in order. And then we ate as soon as we could uh but beyond that wait
1: wait wait where where did you eat what did you get
0: (laughs) subway footlong all right (laughs) right at the finish line (laughs) you'll hear more about that from uh that's the go-to pre-race meal so this was interesting because i've never had kind of post-race recovery pre-race preparations at the same time huge pop to subway yeah I tell you
1: I don't know if you know this but we have another podcast called Fuel for the Soul where all we do is talk about nutrition oh really and running we have a licensed dietitian that's on with us and we do this whole thing and you are going to be a topic of conversation (laughs) for this so I was watching the
0: Baltimore coverage on YouTube because they upload all the stuff and I I love the coverage because it's it's like watching like your hometown news you kind of know all the people that are on there and uh, you know all the runners that are in there uh, you see the newscasters on the news every night so i was watching it and they had the medical director for the baltimore marathon on there and they asked about me they're like oh so jordan's doing three of these what does he need to worry about in doing this and i was like pull up a chair this is going to be good <laughs> <laughs> what's he going to say about this um so he gave a very um kind of like political safe answer uh without any specifics but nutrition was uh huge and so but we got it we probably got that sandwich down within an hour of finishing oh wow yeah
2: okay so after that what was our flight was five o'clock on? yeah we had some time which okay. was nice yeah
0: i think i took a little nap Mhm, that was nice so we just we went to awards there at like noon uh hung around the Inner Harbor for a little while. Yeah. Took I get, it I'm like,
1: why did you get awards second place? <laughs>
2: Casual.
0: The the trophies were sweet this year. Yeah. It's like they're the always biggest,
2: cool. It's the biggest trophy I have for losing. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's, it's this huge cup. You can probably put like three or four beers in it. Nice. Yeah. Um, so we did that. Uh, they had a live band down there. So we just kind of chilled and then moseyed on over. Uh, took a little nap. And then we got to the airport by five at night to go to Chicago.
1: All right, first check-in. This might be your first run back after the marathon. I don't know. But if it is, be easy on yourself. Your body is recovering. You don't need to be running those fast paces right now. You just need to get back in the groove, get the blood flowing, get that muscle memory going, and enjoy this run.
2: And so we land in Chicago and What was our first stop?
0: What did we do in Chicago? So landed in Chicago. We got there. It was dark. I remember that. First stop, Olive Garden. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. So we got there kind of late. So Chicago, you lose the hour. Yeah. Uh, Or no, you gain the hour because it's central time. Yeah. So we time traveled, Uh, which was nice because it's a two-hour flight. You leave at like five. You get there at like six. By the time you're there, it's like seven. By the time you're out of the airport and like in the car or whatever, it's seven. So we went straight to Olive Garden and... Hannah had arranged a Olive Garden pickup,
1: like like it was almost like a enough food for a wedding.
0: <laughs> Hannah ordered one of everything, and we picked that. That was our uh, pre race next day meal. So we grabbed it and then took it out back to the hotel.
2: But you ate yours in the car.
0: I did, huh? Yeah,
2: because it was late. It yeah. was late, yeah.
1: So so let's let's get to the pre Chicago. So because of the situation, you're not going to the expo you're not picking up your bib in a normal way Mm -hmm. you know uh, which in some ways is good because that's more time on your feet before for a thing so how did you end up getting your bib
0: excellent question so the logistics of chicago worked like this we got there that night we had arranged for same day bib pickup which was um so nice of them for accommodating us due to uh quote extenuating circumstances (laughs) But what we did was our hotel was about two miles from the start line. So we rented some bikes, and we were able to pick up the bib morning of, and we just cruised down there on some bikes. Picked up our bibs probably, what time was it? About 6 o'clock in the morning. And then the race was at 7.30. So once we picked up the bibs, uh, we just moved right onto the start line and kind of settled in for race day.
1: So this was the first taste of kind of logistics and – going shifting from Baltimore to Chicago, mm-hmm. getting bibs, getting hotel rooms, getting food, all that stuff. You didn't seem to be stressed at all.
0: There's nothing to stress about.
1: Maybe not getting your bib, you know, <laughs> not getting food, You know, like, missing nothing, a flight.
2: Nothing like that worried you? Like
0: I knew that if we were on the ground in the city, we were fine. So everything else was just details. And the race started at 7.30. So everything that happened before then just... We we would figure it out. And that's what we did. And we didn't, well, we had one catastrophe, which we'll probably get to. But everything, I mean, you can't go into this expecting things to be perfect. And really, you have to just be prepared just to make the best of everything. And I think that's exactly what we did. And with that, I mean, I I was not stressed (laughs) a single time during this weekend. It was really laid back. It was a lot of fun. And I think, um, and, and having you guys, you weren't stressed either. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we were, I don't know, If we didn't have so as much helps. on the line as, yeah, as yeah so, as you so did. that helps. It was just, uh, it, it was nice.
1: All right, are we so getting when, to the start line?
2: Well, yeah. I'm curious though. When you woke up in the morning, mm-hmm. were you like, I feel my body feels okay, I'm ready to do this again?
0: I woke up, I felt like I ran a marathon the day before. <laughs> I was a little sore, but at the same time, I wasn't. I, I was just like, I, I felt this before, like I've been this sore before. We're fine. So that morning we just kind of ate the normal stuff before we do woke up um, and, and started our day.
1: How do you, when you talk about that and you start thinking mentally about the marathon, knowing that you're going to have to go out there, do you break up the event into like little chunks that you can digest or do you go, I'm running 26 miles. I know it's going to be painful towards the end. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to deal with it. How do you, how do you go into it?
0: So my mentality about this whole thing was just kind of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And for me, the way I approached these races was hit the half like you're hitting a 230. So I was just gonna go out, I was gonna run that race like it was my first race. And I was, that that was it. Just hit the first half and then hang on. And I knew with that, that I think when people start thinking like, doing like the math and the calculations of how much they need to save themselves for the second half of the race, I don't know how much of that's real and how much that really goes according to plan. So like saving myself was not a thought uh, during these races because after running a marathon the day before, like you can't prepare for what mile 14 is gonna feel like, for example. So for me, I just went out there, hit that first half, like it was a fresh race. And then that's when most of the problems start, honestly, is that second (laughs) half. So I just kind of just dealt with them as they came.
2: I'm always nervous, like right before I start running, because I'm like, I just don't know how my body's going to feel. Like sometimes it feels effortless. Sometimes it feels really hard. When you started running, were you like, okay, this is I got this.
0: When I started running, that's really when the day, the prior day when I felt it. And I was like, all right, like I can shake this off. This is gonna be fine. They say I don't know where this comes from, but this goes into training. Like when you get out there and you just feel like garbage, they say like give it five minutes. Like this is particularly uh, true for me when I'm swimming. Like I get in the pool, you get in the pool, and you're like, I hate everything about this. <laughs> it's five in the morning. It's freezing cold. I suck at swimming. I don't like anything about this. If you give it five minutes, that's like enough time to like get into it. And I think if you can make it that first five, 10 minutes, you can finish what you got in there to do.
1: Um, Also, with the pool thing, Mm. uh, swimming sucks, and five minutes is a long time in the pool.
0: Five minutes is a long time (laughs) in the pool. Because for the pool, like, a a full swim work, that's like, what, 45 minutes? Yeah. Five minutes, percentage-wise, is a big piece. Yeah.
1: And it feels like I've been swimming, and I must have been in here for 15 minutes, and it's... (laughs) It's like three, three minutes. minutes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, You're hitting hundreds. You're like, I'm going to hit 20 hundreds today. Yeah. You do like four and you're like, how's 15 sound today? <laughs> it's taking forever.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. So you're in Chicago and now you're kind of busting the rust off. Yep. And you're going through, obviously, we talked about the crowds in Baltimore. How much in Chicago this had to be a refresh and you're running with, now a deeper field so it's not Mm -hmm. like you're alone like before you were in second place and it was no man's land Mm -hmm. Chicago that's not the case meanwhile we did kind of notice and we commented on it um, that you were kind of in a pace that was like no man's zone because you have the elites running and gunning for low teens to maybe even sub um, you know 210 and then you kind of have the next group of people that aren't gonna be able to hold that pace. But 2.30 seems to be a little bit of a window there between the people that are going for super fast time, people going for like breaking three hours. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in a weird spot. Did you find that you were always packed in with people or did you feel?
0: That's that's a really good observation actually. There were parts of that race I ran alone. And it was interesting because right in that 2.30 world, you will find some time alone at the same time there's guys moving up and falling back and then there are some packs that are up there and i noticed in chicago these packs weren't running super consistently like the guys who wanted to go faster would kind of fall off and that pack would fall back so that got me through the first few miles is i would kind of just kind of see that pack and be like all right let's run towards them and sometimes i would never catch them sometimes i would catch them uh, there were people kind of coming and going in terms of going forward and falling back all the time, so that was nice um but yeah, there were some parts where I was just completely alone.
1: yeah, the difference between where were we first when he came across the bridge was that a mile and a half two miles
2: It was early that is a half mile when we first saw him that was a half mile yeah. okay
1: yeah you had you were in a large pack at that point mm-hmm. um. Then we were able to, and the great thing about the Chicago course was that we were able to be at like four different spots um, to kind of jump from the way that zigzagged back and forth. Mm -hmm. So we'd see it next and.
2: Next we saw you at 14. Yeah. And I think you were pretty lonely at that point. Yeah,
1: it wasn't a thick crowd. So we're like, okay.
2: And then again at 17 and you were by yourself at 17. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the beginning of that race, it kind of loops through the streets of Chicago. Uh, so crowd support, insane. Yeah. Everywhere. It's kind of packed up. You're in the city. It, you fly. It, it's really cool. Then Is it, it hard
1: to control your pace in that situation? Little,
0: if you're not careful, I think you can get carried away, especially with people screaming for you and people who are going way too fast.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. The the whole thing can really get you going. But uh, for me, I just kind of knew better. And then, yeah, it heads out north and then turns around and then you do like one more kind of like little little cloverleaf thing Mm -hmm. and then south and then you come in for the for the finish
2: what was your favorite part of the whole race
0: so chicago this year i've run it one other time and i didn't have the same experience this year was just the most amazing experience i i I don't know what it wasn't i don't know why i didn't really get the warm fuzzies last time i did it but uh this year it was amazing the favorite part's hard but it's flat and you noticed that. Uh, there was some wind, but it was in, it wasn't sustained. It was like little spurts and it was hot. That was the other thing. And running Boston, Chicago back to back, where Boston was not hot, Chicago was hot, you realize how important that is for running a good race. You hear these pros say, like, oh, it's 75 degrees. I'm not going for the world record anymore. And you're like, Phew. like what? It's like 75. Like that's what my house is kept at. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. What are you talking about? But when you feel what a 60-degree day feels like, and the day after, what a 75-degree day feels like, night and day difference. Uh, so the, the heat was challenging, but with those little spurts of wind that wasn't sustained, you're able to, you're obviously sweating and dump water on yourself to, to stay cool. But uh, really the crowd support and the course were the highlights of that of that race.
2: And you have said before you don't, like the flat you prefer sort of the hills but was it a, a, a nice welcome after baltimore uh
0: it was it's uh, i'll take it yeah i i did real i was thinking to myself during that chicago race like oh if there were hills right here it would suck <laughs> <laughs> so i did appreciate the the flatness and the like three hills that there are in that race and by hills i mean you go from 50 feet to 100 feet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they they look like hills, So Like, when we saw you at 17. 17. Oh, those yeah. Like, um, I was like, okay, this is a hill. And when I saw runners coming up, you almost saw it on their faces, like, yeah. approaching it.
0: And because those previous 17 miles have just been absolutely flat, mm-hmm. that little thing is alarming. It it, it hits you. Uh, but I was actually consciously thinking, like, oh, it's so great. There's not a heartbreak hill ahead yeah. of me right now which uh, which was nice.
2: Okay, so you crossed the finish line in Chicago with a 231?
0: Yeah, it was 231
2: high. But you got under there, so 231, count it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, how were you feeling about the time, and how are you feeling in general after that?
0: Good. So Chicago, I knew I was falling off that 230 pace at the end. Uh, I knew I was kind of drifting more closer to six-minute and less like 545 land, and to be completely honest, I was... Pretty okay with that. I was really working hard. I felt okay, and I felt like kind of relative to the race and how the other runners in the race was going. I was like doing fine. So at the very end of that race, uh, I felt myself kind of just falling off that pace a little bit. I wasn't gonna be over that 2:30 thing, and I was just absolutely fine with it. I was just like, if "I'm gonna run 2:31. <laughs> like, let's go. I don't want to." Do anything crazy right now that's gonna mess Boston up. <clears throat>
1: it it was strange as a spectator to see. So we went to the finish as well. So after I think seventeen, we yep. ended up going to the finish, and faces on people from seventeen <laughs> to twenty six. What that you could see the heat build up. You could mm-hmm. see some of that falling off, and then you saw the opposite in people like Emma who looked fresh and and ready ready to finish there did you feel like the heat was finally catching up with you towards the end
0: the heat for me never really took a a a serious toll it was kind of just the cumulative I, I was just feeling like I've been running a long time and usually every race that area that like 18 to 23 I think it's the hardest area to get through. They talk about the proverbial wall at mile Mm -hmm. 20. Mile 20 for me is not like, oh, mile 20, Like here it is. It's more that section of the race. It's where when you do get a hill or something like that, you feel it in your legs. And mentally that can be devastating. And I think that's where most people have problems just because that's where you start to feel and start to think about it. But for me, I didn't do much thinking. I just kinda kept moving but I was uh, I was like neutral at that point, I, I was okay.
1: Yeah, and before we get into the finish of Chicago, because we had a little bit of a surprise there at the <laughs> end, but um, you know, it was interesting to me and I wanna bring it up when we get to Boston. It seemed like more people struggled at Boston with the temps that were cooler than at Chicago. I don't know if it warmed up faster at boston or what it was but it seemed like there was more people who had bad races at boston than people that had bad races at chicago even though we were expecting chicago to be the tough one mm-hmm. with with the heat but we'll get into that so you finished chicago mm-hmm. and again what do we do for uh, post race meal chicago finished
0: they have goose island beer at the end of that race and i was all over that
1: oh wow was... i didn't know you had a, had a beer at the end
0: i look forward to that at the end of chicago Um, also crushed water another huge priority because again the hydration issue and going the next day and they had muscle milk so within 10 minutes of finishing Chicago I ate a banana crushed two bottles of water had a beer and drank muscle milk my stomach was like bro (laughs) don't ever do this to me again (laughs) especially after running like 26 milk beer and it was waters and bananas.
2: Bananas. Yeah, awesome. I was like, uh,
0: I, I was like fine, but I don't, I don't know. It, I just thought like maybe I poked the bear there, but um, after that, that was really kind of like the recovery. I was glad they had. It was kind of cool to have Muscle Milk at the end of that race because that really has everything in it that you need just immediately to kind of replenish those stores, uh, including uh, protein and yeah. electrolytes and then it's got some other like stuff in there uh and then banana's water but that was it and then after that we had subway again
1: all right so shortly after finishing chicago we're all relaxed we got plenty of time to get to the airport we're just going to you know all go back to our room shower get ready pack up maybe grab something to eat and then uh head out and we get a text from your wife that says hey basically get your shit together we're leaving now all flights are canceled
2: no i will say her first text was that i'm managing a small problem
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's corporate speak (laughs) Shit just hit the fan is what that means
0: (laughs) yeah that was interesting so here's the situation in chicago after chicago i had this fantasy like i'd go out to navy pier and ride the ferris wheel Yeah, yeah yeah take
1: a
2: little
0: nap big plans i don't know ice bath whatever uh we get to back to the hotel it's like 11 30 12 o'clock we're starting to think about like getting subway getting food and we realize that southwest canceling all their flights including ours to
1: boston so how did we find that out because i found out through you guys like who was
0: i found out from wife she's like don't worry but they just canceled our flight <laughs> so i was like oh
1: so just so the audience knows Part of the thing was he's running another marathon (laughs) and it's not in Chicago.
0: (laughs) That's right. So after Hannah told me that, I was like, "Um, "Okay, this problem. um, Let's figure it out. So the first thing I did was typed into Google Maps how far it is to drive to Boston. And if we left at that moment at noon in Chicago, central daylight time and drove to Boston, we would arrive there somewhere around two or three in the morning. (laughs)
2: so not a great option So,
0: an option but not a great option Uh and if that was going to be our option we would have to leave at that minute so then when I pulled up Google Flights started looking at other flights everything out of Chicago is booked like everything, O'Hare, Midway all the airports, nothing and there was like one seat on one United flight for like (laughs) $2,000 and I was like all right, not an option (laughs) so then we started looking to surrounding airports and I found a JetBlue flight leaving out of Detroit that was leaving at 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern Daylight Time. So that was- the Which we lose day. an hour. Which we, lo- we lost Detroit. an hour. Exactly, so it was 12 o'clock noon and we just booked a six o'clock flight and we had a four and a half hour drive with a one hour time change ahead of us. <laughs> Which by the
1: way, when we first found out, like we're M- Megan's talking to Hannah and she's like, okay, we're gonna go to Detroit, and or actually didn't say Detroit. She said this is the flight we're doing. She and Megan just sent me a
2: screenshot, up. and I'm like, she's like Detroit.
1: How we get to Detroit? And I'm like, I don't know geography that well in the Midwest. I'm like, Detroit's got to be far away. Like Detroit might as well be, well, it is a different state, but um, like far, far away. And it turns out four hour drive, which I had no idea, but now I learned something.
0: Four hours. Yeah, I was looking at Cleveland. I was looking at Milwaukee. I was looking at St. Louis. Looking at Indianapolis. Indianapolis would have been the closest. It's like two and a half, three hours away. Mm-hmm. No flights. Like nothing that was within a reasonable price and within a reasonable time. So Detroit was the best option. And then the bailout to that was a later Detroit flight or a Cleveland flight. But Cleveland's another like three hours from Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, me being from Cleveland, I'm Midwest Chiagraphy. Right, yeah. yeah. So that's what we did. So we rented a car. Uh, immediately packed up our stuff you should have seen Hannah in our room she is an absolute saint like there was stuff everywhere and I like came out of the bathroom and it was all gone packed up yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) whatever is in there would make it make it to Detroit
0: yeah so we turned that thing around in probably about a half hour.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, thank God you had muscle milk. I, and I guess you had something else. We hadn't eaten all day. That's right. I so felt bad for you guys. We got in, and luckily, Jess, who was uh, helping with logistics, somehow had gotten a tin of popcorn.
0: <laughs> yeah. She's like a diamond member for the hotel. Yeah. So the only food these guys had for the entire ride. So Hannah was able to grab Subway while we were kind of like working this whole thing out. So I had a full on. I was fine. Yeah. I had everything I ever needed. But the other, you guys had a tin of popcorn. Popcorn. Yeah.
2: The then, entire you know I was what? so happy for, about that popcorn. <laughs> and then
1: I think Hannah pulled some uh, Nature, Valley, oh, yeah. hard, Nature Valley, Valley hard bars out. I yeah. felt like we were doing like rations or something. <laughs> like MRIs. Uh, MREs. Um, the, uh, and so we're in, I have to say, I enjoyed the drive to Detroit. It was fun. It felt like uh, a team effort. We had, you know, I think seven people in the truck. Yep. And everybody was just like, "Okay, this is what we got to do to achieve the mission." <laughs> Nobody complained. I didn't hear one person bitch or have any problems. Everybody was just like, "We're gonna get there."
0: It was amazing. We put on some jams.
2: Yeah, um, Lil Wayne drove
0: through. Lil Wayne drove through Indiana. Yep. You know, get that. Um, yeah, it was a true team effort. We pulled it off. We got there in time. Yeah, and that was that. So that get was
1: on Blue and <laughs> that's right. Get to Boston exactly what time we land in boston eight something
0: yeah it was late so that was not ideal for like recovery yeah. because here's the day in chicago like run the race ride bikes back from the finish line to the hotel it's 11 30 and then by 12 30 be in a car that you're going to sit in for four hours before getting on a two-hour flight to get to boston by eight o'clock <laughs> so it wasn't ideal but we made it. And that was the objective. Like, you need to get on the ground in that city and then we're going to be fine.
1: Yeah. And Hannah went out and got you your yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> and, it,
0: and then we got to Boston and it was late. Yeah. And uh, first thing Hannah did was got me what I needed the
2: next day. And we got your Olive Garden.
0: It's about the Olive Garden, too. Also pick up to
1: go. Yeah. All right. Yep. It, uh, Boston, for us, was logistically a lot more difficult than the other two. You know, Chicago loop back and forth. We were able, we actually, we figured we ran about seven miles in Chicago just chasing you down to different spots yeah. um and uh you know in Baltimore I was able to do about 20 miles biking and then Boston we also got about 20 miles biking in but
2: we got lost
1: oh you did yeah so we got you at mile what mile was that? Seventeen. Right,
2: right before eighteen. Yeah, it was climb. right at Heartbreak Hill. Yeah,
1: that was Heartbreak Hill. That was Heartbreak.
2: And I don't
1: wait. I was on. Her, I ran. No, her,
0: no, I we were before Heartbreak. Was was it before?
2: We were at eighteen. Heartbreak is like twenty-two. Oh, There's is that a true? huge There should have been a huge crowd at Heartbreak. Wait, do
0: I have the wrong Heartbreak like programmed into my brain? Because I thought Heartbreak was eighteen, and then there's a big hill at twenty-one that should be Heartbreak. That's, but it's not like official. That's Heartbreak. That's Heartbreak.
2: Heartbreak. At if was there a lot of people? yeah there's a lot of people at both of those hills.
1: there wasn't at ours i was actually surprised like we were able to get a pretty decent spot
2: yeah so yeah.
1: again i was like okay in chicago i got to run up a hill with them i'm going to run up the hill uh in boston in boston which i'm like i don't know if that helps them or not that there's someone yelling at them to to, to go uh,
0: that helped me enormously because that hill was so painful and Seeing you at the camera, I was like, all right, I gotta look good. You gotta, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he cleaned himself off. Yeah, I gotta make it look Come like He awesome. smiled. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right, second check in. How's that post marathon body feeling? Is it coming together? Maybe just concentrate on your stride and your breathing, pick your head up, and just try to cruise. Let's get back to the beginning of Boston and ah. getting there. So you get up in the morning. You don't have a bib at this point.
0: That's right. So logistics of Boston worked like this: woke up, also same day, big pep, uh, babe Can I say these two words? Back, bib, back? bib pickup. There you go. Big pickup. Bib pickup. Uh, had that that morning uh, with like the COVID verification and all that. So the plan was 6:30. Be at the tent at like Boston Commons, which is where they're doing all the testing and verification and everything. So just showed show my vaccine card got my bib, and got on a bus. This year, and then I took the bus out to the start line.
1: So how did JT and Brandon, follow, did they follow you in a car to the start line? How did they get there?
0: So I saw Brandon in the hotel lobby, and then I got on a bus, and then Hannah and Brandon disappeared, and then they reappeared at the start line.
2: Wait, what, so time, no did you, what time did you get on the bus?
0: 7.15, it left.
2: And you didn't start running until 9? Correct. What did you do in between then?
0: The bus ride, is, it was a long bus ride okay yeah
2: two hours long
0: like an hour and
1: a oh my god
0: it's an hour it's at least an hour
2: i didn't realize it was that long man
1: got dropped off at the start last time
2: yeah
0: oh really yeah so the buses to boston are about an hour
1: on yeah. a regular yellow school bus not a comfortable like exactly
0: so the interesting thing and i thought about this on the bus was like if you had to pee like be a problem oh yeah there's no bathrooms on there and like, you don't paper wear hydrating. diapers not anymore
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> because you could
2: <laughs> so you get down into, boston tip. <laughs> into the start corral there's no athlete village anymore correct so what what happens once you get off the bus yeah so
0: boston was super interesting this year about the bus ride so taking the bus ride off it being in the fall in new england was spectacular so usually it's in april and it's dark and all the trees are dead i was like eating up the leaves yeah. like it was just beautiful riding out there it was raining a little bit uh the temperature was like perfect and then um, bus ride takes like an hour. Then you get to the start line. There's no Athlete Village this year. It's a rolling start.
1: Did you know anybody on the bus?
0: I didn't, Okay. no. And I'm not really like a talker.
1: You're so more I, the Michael Phelps hood up with the headphones yeah, in?
0: Yeah, I'm just, I literally like sat there and looked out the window. <laughs> and I was I was in my happy place. Um, but the uh, bus got us there and it was a rolling start this year. And I didn't fully comprehend what the situation in Boston with the rolling start was until literally 8 55 a.m. that morning. So, no athlete village, but the bus drops you off where it usually does. And instead of like the tent and the area to like relax, because usually the race starts at like 10, there was basically they just drop you on the road and then there's the porta potties and then the start line. And that's it. And what the rolling start meant was at nine o'clock, they're going to fire a gun and you can basically start running whenever you want. So, what I wanted to do and what everybody was doing was get to the start line at 9 o'clock to basically have some semblance of a normal race yeah. start. The pros started at 8.37, so they were gone. So it was really just uh, a matter of getting to the start line and starting. So the walk from the bus drop-off to the porta potties uh, is about a mile. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah, takes long. That's when I saw Hannah and Brandon again. They, I don't even know how they got, they drove there and then biked or something. Uh, but it was really cool to see them, like, Hannah just appeared. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> sweet. Uh, so did the port-a-potty business and then started heading to the start line. But the bus dropped us off. The bus is going like a convoy. Mm-hmm. So everybody's kind of getting there at the same time. Buses dropped us off. I had the ground at, like, 840. And the start's at, like, 9 o'clock. So there was not a ton of time to really dilly-dally and mess around, especially with the walk to the start line. So people were, like, picking it up and people were, like, starting to take their clothes off and things like that to get ready to go. But there's enough time to just find Hannah and Brandon and change my shoes and do whatever and then get to the star line.
2: So did you have a bag?
0: So the bag I figured out on the morning was, I think I'm remembering this correctly, but I didn't even have Heartbreak Hill, right? So take this with (laughs) a grain of of salt. (laughs) Um, I think usually what they do is you drop your bag like in athlete village and then Mm -hmm. they bust it back to the finish line this year the bag drop-off was at the finish line so you couldn't bring anything out there
1: with you like nothing what's the point of that
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so but i it it made sense in the context of like the rolling star like if they were like gonna send you out there without a bag and then make you sit around for like two hours yeah like usual like that would have been brutal but that really wasn't the situation at all but at the same time, like the morning of, I was like, "Oh, I'm leaving my bag here. Like, yeah. can I bring these sweats? Like, I don't know, like, what to do."
1: I did a rolling start race this year. Um, one of the first ones coming back. I didn't like it because it just it missed that corral feeling of getting ready, the the build up and the release when the gun goes off, and then the yeah kind of kind of go. There's just something anticlimactic about kind of just like jogging up to the start line and then it's like hitting your watch and and go
0: it was weird it's it's boston was fine where i was because at nine o'clock there are enough people kind of like gaggled there to make it a fairly legit start
2: oh well, and they had a gun at nine right and they had
0: a gun at nine but
2: yeah. that was it if you were later you just walked up you and, just
0: walked up and ran yeah but the thing about boston is for me because there was such like a short amount of time like i wasn't the, the last thing i was about to do was jog to the start line yeah <laughs> So I was just kind of like You didn't need there. a warm up? Yeah, <laughs> like getting there swiftly. Um, but I got there and I started back way further than I thought I was. So I spent the whole like first mile like. Weaving. Really slow. I probably, I think I ran like a 6.30 first mile because I just couldn't get out. So while there was like a big group of people who started at nine and like everybody kind of like self-seated a little bit, it was kind of, a, I didn't realize how far back I was uh, at the start.
1: As a spectator, it was also weird because the way that people kind of started. Yeah. I'm like, what is that person doing all the way up here?
0: Yeah. And it gets like strung out very fast. Yeah. So yeah, it was hard. And when you look at the results, like you could finish like anywhere. Like somebody who started a minute ahead of you, like you might be finishing with, but their times like a right. minute slower than yours or a minute faster yeah. than yours or something like that. So the whole thing, but it got spread out pretty quick. Here's the coolest thing about the Boston start, and this was so cool for for me, is it did kind of get spread out fast in Boston, and there were runners on that course that I was either running with or that would like come up or that would fall back that knew about yeah. this. That's awesome. And they're like, oh, like you're the guy that's doing like three and three. Like let's go, or like let's run a few miles, or like I've been following this, and that support at that moment was. The most key thing in the entire world and it was so cool that the running community is small everybody kind of like gets it everybody understands each other and the fact that there are people like recognizing that this was like happening and like even just like saying like come on like let's go let's get this mile or whatever was really really cool so that was a cool part about boston that is i'll remember forever that's awesome (laughs) like
1: no it's did did you feel a little bit like a celebrity
0: (laughs) not so much i just felt like just honestly i've never felt that kind of i don't know like community or support feel before like i'm not doing anything particularly special but the fact that like people are following this and can relate to it in some way was was really awesome
1: well i think everybody at that point you know, unless somebody's got a black soul, uh, the, everybody at that point is like, Oh, he's got a shot here to do something special. And I I think that we are all like pulling and it was fun to be up close and be a fan of this and, and be so close to it. But like I, we were getting messages from people online that were so excited. How's he doing today? How's he feeling? What's going on? You know, really want invested in the story.
0: (laughs) That's so, that's so fun. I did notice that Believe in the Run community is one of the most supportive (laughs) (laughs) communities in the entire world. Uh, And having Believe in the Run just kind of on the story and a part of it really made the experience super special because there is other uh, uh, social. My life's very simple without social media. It's like so it's so amazing because like haters are going to hate like whatever. And I mean, there. but you can also find support online too, but just, not dealing with any of it it's just simple you know but believe in the run community like those runners those people who are found that story i just found such a supportive group of people that running from spanning from i don't know elite like 215 guys to six hour people like yeah it doesn't matter yeah, yeah.
1: it really does uh, run the gamut but that it's good to hear that everybody was nice so Good job, people. Um, <laughs> Thank you, people. But it's, yeah, so let's, let's just talk about emotionally and physically what it's like to run Boston. It's obviously a lot of people's bucket list race. It means a lot for people to get, you know, like some, like for, for a lot of people, that is their goal in running is to be able to get into Boston mm-hmm. with their running time. Qualify for Boston.
0: Yeah. I do not take that race for granted. Every time I'm on that star line, I feel special. And it's something, it, it's it's an experience that if you are shooting for Boston, go for it. Like it is, it is that bucket list race. And there's just so many things you can talk about that make that race special. There's just so, you could highlight any single individual who's on that Boston star line and their story would be fascinating. And you would find like some way to relate to it. So if it's like your bucket list race, it belongs as a bucket list race and it's once you're there and you experience it like it's obvious why it's that case so having the opportunity for me to run this and finish there was the most incredible experience I've done four Bostons now and I can remember every single one of them like specific things from each one Uh, just just a phenomenal race so that that really made this being the finale uh a little bit easier
1: so you're rolling yeah, a lot of people just talk about it as a regular marathon they're like you see that sitco sign you see those last turns you know you're turning on the boylston street yeah and
2: yeah. right on hereford yeah on boylston.
1: <laughs> i <laughs> yeah. saw a shirt that said that <laughs> yeah and you know it, it's over but for you this isn't a 26.2 over is more like you know 70 plus uh what, uh, it was a that, lot of miles yeah, yeah what is, what math's is it? hard yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I did not it's like 77 a, or something right it's 78 miles 26
0: times three yeah. 25 I, I don't want 10, to embarrass 75
1: Yeah, an extra one on everyone <laughs> <laughs> carry the seven yeah it's like it's like uh, yeah we're getting close to 78.6 you know, <laughs> um, but yeah so it's the end of a long run for you mm-hmm. you see it you see the crowds you know, Hannah's going to be waiting there with a foot long <laughs> 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 or maybe some muscle milk. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you see that finish line and you're like, I'm finishing. And you probably know generally that the time goal is pretty much on target. Mm. What's going through your mind?
0: So finishing at Boston this year because of that saga was special. It was amazing. You know, what was interesting is finishing at Boston was totally different than finishing at Chicago. Running these marathons, base to, or back to back, kind of messes with your head because you're feeling the same amount of pain, <clears throat> the same amount of pain like in each race at mile twenty. But at Chicago, you realize you have a whole another marathon the next day. At Boston, you realize twenty miles, you're at twenty miles, you got six more to go, and you're gonna be done. But this was the first time I've ever paid attention to the Boston course map. I like studied the back half of that because I knew I was gonna be um, pretty torn up at that point. And I realized once you, fit, once you get up that hill, which apparently is heartbreak at 21, <laughs> 21 through 24 downhill. And they were, and this year's crowd support out there in that back six miles Deep. was unreal. Absolutely unreal. Every single, like there was not a quiet spot in the last six miles of that thing. And that just made it so easy. Um, but finishing at Boston this year, it's, uh, it, it was extra special because of kind of the saga that we've been through. And it's, it's just such a relief making that last turn and seeing that. And I, I was happy with my times, kind of, kind of being on track.
1: You and... should, you should be happy with those <laughs> <Yeah>. times. <laughs> kind of amazing. All right. It very lofty goal. The, the thing for us, I mean, we were obviously very invested in your results. And so going in, uh, I think coming the delay and in getting into Boston late, you know, we're all asking ourselves, something, what, what do you think? What do you think he's gonna do tomorrow? Mm. And it was funny cause you could tell like, it, depending on who you talk to, how much confidence they had <laughs> in, in where you were. I, I don't know. I just felt like this guy's a locomotive at this point. He's gonna, he's gonna do it. Like he, it's not a question. In my head, it was just getting you to the start. If we can get him to the start. Mm-hmm. He's going to lock into that pace and just roll roll through this marathon um was i overconfident did you feel that confidence coming in yes okay
0: yeah i loved it it's so even me like the morning of the boston marathon if you would have asked me what are you about to hit i don't know what i would have said i had no idea this was i was in completely uncharted territory this I've, my legs have never felt that way before i had never tempted to do something like this but and for me i, I you're right it's like everybody kind of like oh like what's gonna happen and i mean i didn't care because i kind of had that same amount of uncertainty i was just excited to kind of try yeah, it see yeah exactly so i saw brandon at the start line and he's like what's the plan today like how's this gonna go and my answer was i'm gonna run this marathon as fast as i can and that was really just all I wanted to do was get to the start line, start running, push it, and then I, I would just kind of deal with everything else. The, this was something that was impossible to plan for, impossible to predict. And really, I, I didn't waste too much time thinking about that because if, if you think about things that don't matter, it just takes energy away from energy you could be putting somewhere else in things that are productive. So for me, it was just a matter of getting the start line, start running, hit that half in like a 230 pace, and that was my goal. Um, I, I did not feel awesome at all. <laughs> <Why> <laughs> like that? from
2: the start, you yeah, didn't was, feel great?
0: So walking to the start line, my legs were like sore to a point where like I'd never been there at like a workout before and like tried to run like you know after you hit like a hard marathon the next day you're kind of like walking around and you're like i'm just gonna take today off and Mm -hmm. that's gonna be great that's kind of where i was (laughs) so and then i started running the first three miles of boston's downhill so i didn't have a really good assessment of anything until about four five six um which at that point i mean you were out there so i was just really just get to that half and at Boston, it was just, it was so easy with the, with the crowd. <laughs> it was every single piece of that course is just so special. And that, that just got me there.
1: Yeah. I, I think one of the things that I learned from this was the simplicity that you go into it. Like it, you didn't overthink nutrition. You didn't overthink recovery. You didn't overthink the marathon or the paces or anything. It's just like, kind of like a, I want to almost say like a blue collar work ethic, just I'm going to go out there and start shoveling and there'll be a hole when I'm finished. And uh, like, it was kind of refreshing to kind of just strip it down. Like I'd love to have like these romantic thoughts that like you champion this thing and somehow, (laughs) you know, Zeus came down and gave you special (laughs) shoes with wings on it um, or something like that. But it really came down to just having an attitude of, I'm going to do my best on this day and we'll just, it'll have to do. Did, with that said, did you have any kind of like when you got to dark spots or got to stuff, did you have any kind of planned thought process that would get you out of those? Like how did you work on things when it was kind of like scary?
0: Yeah, the way I deal with that is it's just problem solution. So problem, this hurts. <laughs> solution, deal with it. <laughs> um, and that's really just kind of what kept me going. And... um Yeah, that is kind of my approach to running, my mentality. I couldn't say it more perfect myself. It's just don't overthink the small details. The small details. Like, you put the training in. Like, these things, things that people think really, really, really matter and that can just mentally derail you, really don't. Like, the store might not have your type of yogurt. Your flight might get canceled.
1: There may not be water at mile 23. There may not
0: be water at mile (laughs) 23. you uh that you might have certain gear issues or things like that that you just never expected but these are just kind of tiny tiny details in the much bigger picture of what really matters is you just getting it done so that was kind of my approach to to, to this
2: uh, yeah i i said this before in our podcast but i do wish i could just like steal your brain for a race because i think it's <laughs> Which is Amazing. funny because I
1: always want to take your yeah. brain. So maybe we could do an exchange um, you, an exchange. You
2: mentioned gear. So I got, we got to ask, how was yeah. the UA Proto shoe? Yeah.
1: So I had the
0: opportunity to run in a UA Proto super shoe. It's not out. There's like three pairs in existence. Um, part, part of this handle was like, can you take our, our gear for a spin? And I was like absolutely like why not like
1: let's test them let's test them <laughs> exactly this is
0: <laughs> this is um this is how this is how great things go about so um full disclosure full honesty i absolutely loved them they were awesome there was never a single time during those races that i thought i was that i wished i was in a different shoe oh wow yeah i had no idea what to expect so the races the racers are like the super shoes i i really only wear those on race day mm-hmm. like i don't love doing workouts in those and things like that because that's what keeps them special you know they're that special pair of shoes that you put on you feel fast and you do sweet stuff in them i did wear them for a few workouts just to make sure that like i wasn't um, right there there weren't any catastrophic Problems, um, but wearing though they performed phenomenally, so I think Unarmor's is really onto something. I'm glad I could try them out, and uh, I'm just really happy to have the opportunity to wear those. Yeah, I think
1: I had the pair that was a one proto before the proto you actually wore. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not exactly sure what the the difference was, but I will say for 200 meters, I was able to keep up, <laughs> keep up with. Uh, <laughs> jordan there so uh yeah they work pretty well
0: they're nice they're coming along they're not the lightest things in the world uh but they're they're responsive. actually
1: as far as weight goes um they're i think i want to say that i think i have a size 11 mm-hmm. and i think it was like low eight ounce mm-hmm. for it and
2: that seems pretty normal for a yeah super it's,
1: it's, i think it's 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 right around where the first um pro the Saucony endorphin pro Mm -hmm. came in Mm. and then they did some stuff to lighten it up i think that under armor is working on ways to lighten it up Mm. and i do think that it will be getting closer to the standard like sub seven for a size ten and a half sure or not sub seven but in the sevens for for a ten and a half yeah are
2: are you like done with that shoe now are you like i never have to wear that again (laughs) because i just did something insane or are you like yeah i'll put that back on for a race
0: i would strap that back on for a race. Okay. I'm interested now that I've spent so much time in those shoes to like run a race in something else. Yeah. And just comparatively. Yeah.
1: Sure. See how it goes. It, it, you know, if I was Under Armour and I'm not, uh, but if I was, I think I would be like grabbing your kit in those shoes and making a little shadow box and being like Guinness world <laughs> record. Uh, It's not been certified yet, but Stupidest it, it should ever. be. Uh, for, I mean, it's th- when's the opportunity? Like it was hard just doing this from Chicago to to Boston I'm with a flight with the, the logistics flight. were tough. So that made it fun though. when is it going to be possible for someone to do three actual marathons back to back to back, back, to back. um you know and and go after this. So you got to have two things. You would have to be a faster runner than Jordan at at around two thirty thirty. 30 what was it? 231 30 no 230
2: 230 30 was the average. Yeah.
1: 230 30 I think. 230 yeah. 30 was the average for that. So you'd have to be than that. You'd have to have the time and resources. You'd have to have the travel, the logistics all sorted. Like we kind of had a team. Yeah. To make this make this happen. Not a lot of people can can rally a team for that to to get this done. And you know it's 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 quite a feat.
2: I think it's going to be your record for a while.
1: I'm hoping so. <laughs> yeah. So, people, are,
0: people are like, I'm not touching that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you, you making it sound so easy though that maybe somebody's going to be like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think they should take the shoes from you and take the, take the kit and mount it up and have a little Jordan
2: <laughs> shrine, shrine. And
1: They had, they have far better uh,
0: athletes <laughs> and potential than me. That's for I sure. I don't. Know,
1: I did see this morning. I was running around Baltimore. And I saw three dudes that looked very professional. So I don't know if the under- is it that new crew that they're bringing in. I think you so. Think it might be. Yeah, the, yeah. There's one dude who was about your height. That, that might be them. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. They, they were floating. Were they decked were
2: they? out in UA gear? No.
1: One of them was wearing the Baltimore at like half shirt, like the teal shirt with the oh really? the crab well, on it. That's Under Armour. Yeah. yeah. And that then uh, yeah. And then the yeah. other two guys, I I didn't. I just noticed the one guy, but what said to me. Pro is I was luckily coming in the other direction, so they weren't passing me, but um, I was going up against them and they were just floating along the water. And you you know that stride of someone that's like effortless, fast, like gazelles going together, and they just went right by me. I, I gave them a little wave and one guy gave me a thing back. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> But, yeah. They 100% know
0: who you are. Yeah. Okay, Yeah. I hope so. Because I
1: was like, hey, these dudes are awesome. But yeah, uh, I'm hoping to see. I, I think isn't Under Armour bringing a, a crew in to Baltimore perhaps? I
0: think they're trying. Yeah.
1: So hopefully I'll be seeing more gazelles floating around the water. Because otherwise I just see Jeremy every once in a while. And, you know, some other faster bastards out there that are. Yeah, that are you know what's good.
0: interesting? Baltimore has a incredibly close knit and like very legit running scene. Yeah. Like there are some. Excellent runners in this city, and the community is amazing through all the different run groups and things like that. That everybody kind of knows each other. It's yeah. really, really cool. I know several different groups um, where I know very legitimate guys, and I'm just good friends in in, in all of them. So Baltimore's a cool place to be a runner. It really is.
1: Final check in. You did it. You're running. You're getting that blood flowing again. Staying relaxed. You're probably already thinking, what's next? That's okay. Start thinking. Start getting those uh, excitement going to do your next challenge or decide that you hate running and you want to stop right now. But I doubt that's the case because you're listening to a podcast about running, so that would be weird. But anyhow, we're proud of you. Congrats on your marathon and keep moving. I hope you enjoyed that. We certainly enjoyed recapping it with Jordan. And uh, we just want to say... Thanks to all the listeners, all the people that support us while we were out at all these places that shouted for us and kind of uh, cheered for Jordan. It was just fantastic.
2: Yeah. So thanks for the continued support. Thank you to Nick Sanchez for editing up our podcast every week. Say hi to your mom. And hello, mom.
1: And we have some listeners. Also, thanks, that, mom.
2: They, My mom watched our dog, our house and children over the weekend so that we could follow Jordan around. So thanks, <laughs> yeah, ma.
1: It was all made possible by ma. All right. So uh, this week's last drop, people are Peter Maramonte, Diego Fergosa, Matt McPherson, Cristobal Jarjardo, Gior-
2: Cristobal.
1: Cristobal. Um, yeah. And I, I'm going to pick out a winner for this week. We are going, you get a t-shirt, so DM us and tell us your size and your address, but we're going to go with Donald Beck.
2: Ooh, Donald, congratulations. If you're listening, you get a t-shirt. All right, that's it. All right, guys, we'll see you next week.